We're starting a new series today called Peace to You, How to Stay Sane in a Crazy World. And our world is pretty crazy right now. It's hard to believe we've been in this pandemic for five months. It feels like forever. And the future is still pretty uncertain. We don't really know when normal is going to happen again. And uh, that's why I felt like this was a good series to have. Because in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, who knew something about stress, who knew something about how to live in a crazy, rapidly changing world, Paul's message is peace. That we can have peace despite our circumstances. That might sound kind of hard to believe. Sometimes when we think about peace, we imagine people who are just kind of walking through life totally oblivious. It's like their nerve endings are cut off. They're just smiling and laughing and nothing's bothering them. And we're just like, what are you talking about? We got to pay rent. There are some real things happening in this life. I've got a job. I've got relationships. I've got a lot of things on my mind. And now this virus, this virus is everywhere and we don't know how to deal with it. There are, there are some serious things to be anxious and worried about so anxiety is a part of life, right? God has given us these fear response mechanisms in our body to alert us to real dangers. And we're supposed to feel the weight of our responsibilities. We're supposed to feel the weight of our choices. Important things are going to give us concern. So that feeling in your stomach, uh, that, that increased heart rate, that feeling of anxiety, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It alerts us to real things we need to pay attention to. So when we talk about peace, we're not talking about Zen Buddhism, just like retreating into a monastery and nothing bothers you. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is a way not to feel the inordinate weight of our responsibilities and choices, not to feel the inordinate weight of fear. This is a phrase that Doug Wilson uses, and I really like it. Right? It's one thing to be anxious when your kids run out into the middle of the street. You should be anxious. You should yell at them to come back inside and get off of the street. But it's an inordinate amount of anxiety if you're up all night while they're tucked away in bed, worried about the what ifs. What if tomorrow they run into the street? What if they get hit by a bus? What if they get sick tomorrow? What's going to happen? That's the kind of anxiety God doesn't want us to have. The constant ruminating and thinking about all the uncertainties and the possibilities and the what ifs in our mind. He doesn't want us to be possessed by that. He doesn't want us to be anxious. So God's peace is something he doesn't just say we can have. He says it's a gift. It's part of his gospel. That's why the Apostle Paul writes Philippians with this opening. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That just as grace is a gift, just as the gospel and forgiveness is a gift that we can't earn, so is God's peace. It's something he freely gives to us that we as his children can receive. But peace is not pixie dust. Peace is not something you sprinkle over your life and go, oh, everything's fine. I'm at peace. I'm not going to worry about or think about anything. No, peace has grit. Peace has teeth to it. It's a weapon to be wielded. As many football coaches have said, the best defense is a great offense, right? If you just say to somebody, don't be anxious, it's like zero helpful, right? It's not enough just to not be anxious, just to have defense. You've got to have a good offense. You have to have tactical ways 
to pursue peace, to fight for peace, the peace that God promises to us. And Paul gives us the first tactical weapon in our fight for peace, and that's gratitude. Gratitude. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The Apostle Paul gets real life, okay? He's not writing from an ivory tower. He's not some super peppy motivational speaker full of toxic positivity, just like everything's fine, just set your goals and do it. No, he's not like that, right? Paul's in jail, in a Roman jail cell. It's a tiny little thing, not sanitary at all. They don't have any plumbing. He's an old dude nearing the end of his life, and he's worried about the welfare of his churches, the churches that he's helped plant. He cares about them. He's worried about false teaching. He's worried about the vision in a church. He's got a lot of things on his plate. So he gets it. He knows what life is about. And yet, Paul has the audacity to say, don't be anxious about anything. And I'm content whether I have much or little. Oh, and by the way, rejoice always. Always rejoice. How does Paul do this? Now look, Paul's not some kind of superhero, right? He didn't take an extra class in Christianity. Or he's not level two upgraded Christian. We're all here at level one waiting for our big promotion. No, we live in a different culture. We live in a different time. But we have the same God, the same triune God who was with Paul, who sustained Paul, is the same God who is with us. He is unchanging in his nature, in his character, in his goodness, and his faithfulness. So we can call upon the same promises that the Apostle Paul called upon. We serve the same God. This is for us. This peace is to you from God, from his love. So how does Paul deploy gratitude? Okay, how does he wield the weapon of gratitude? Well, there's three things that he does, okay? He gets really specific. First, in Philippians 1, where that's where we're going to be today. In Philippians 1, Paul first thanks God for the church. That's how he deploys gratitude. He thanks God for the church. Specifically, he thanks God for the churches in Philippi, for their prayers for him and their support of him, while he's imprisoned, that they've been suffering, in a sense, alongside him through their prayers uh, for him. Now, what does this assume? This assumes, one, Paul has been consistently praying for them because he says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. Every time I'm praying, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. And it assumes that that church has been praying for Paul, that they're praying for each other consistently and continually. They're always on the forefront of each other's minds. Because here's the deal. You're only going to have things to thank God about for your church. You're only going to have people to thank God for if you actually need them, right? You're only going to be able to be grateful if you realize that there are people in your life who are helping you, who are serving you, who are praying for you. Bonds of love are like pearls. They're formed by high temperature and high pressure. Trials and suffering in a church bind the church together. Only if the church is praying for one another. If just suffering and persecution comes and the church isn't praying for each other, it's going to shatter the church. But if the church prays through that for each other on behalf of one another, that strengthens and builds the love of the church and that fights against anxiety. So this is the time while we're separated from each other to practice the discipline of praying for one another, for thanking God for the people in your life. 
And here's a challenge. If you try to thank God and you realize, man, I don't have a lot of things to mention. Maybe you're not as involved in the church as you tell people. Maybe you're too self-sufficient. Maybe, maybe you don't have a list of things to be grateful for because you don't really need people or you think you don't need people. And maybe that self-sufficiency is why you feel so anxious. Maybe a little challenge there for you. But just start somewhere. It's okay. Start by praying for your pastors. Thanking God for your elders. Thanking God for the deacons in your church. Thanking God for the community group leaders in your church. Start there. And that is a great tool. Pray to God with gratitude. Thank God for your church. The second thing Paul deploys in his fight for peace is gratitude for his enemies. God, or Paul thanks God for his enemies. Paul's in jail and he's like, you know what? This is a great opportunity to evangelize to the prison guards. I'm in here unjustly, but because I'm preaching the gospel in jail, a bunch of people are looking up to me and they're being even more bold in their proclamation of the gospel. And by the way, I know that there are other factions, other Christians who don't like me, who are preaching and upgrading their ministry to make themselves look better than me. But hey, as long as they're preaching Christ, I don't care if they don't like me. I don't care if they're trying to take advantage that I'm no longer, you know, ministering in freedom. As long as they're proclaiming the true gospel, more power to them. This is not about having the biggest church, the best church, the most popular church. I just want Jesus to be preached faithfully and truthfully. So Paul's thanking God for his enemies, for his trials. You know why? Because he's got no ego about it, right? That's the freedom that the gospel gives. He's not self-absorbed. He thanks God. He's got perspective. And he knows, look, God, even though there's trials, even though there's enemies, I know you're up to something. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus had enemies. Jesus was crucified unjustly. Jesus suffered. And through his suffering, you accomplished your divine purposes and you glorified yourself. So look, I know that you can do that in my life. I know you're in control. He doesn't thank God or he doesn't thank the men for their evil, right? He doesn't thank God for evil, but he thanks God for the good that he means through the evil. He thanks God for being in control. Paul recognizes that God is really God. He's not just one step ahead of his enemies. He's writing the whole story. And so Paul can say, look, Lord, I know you're doing something. Even though I don't understand it, even though there's trials, even though it's hard, Lord, this is what you do. You work through the sinfulness of men and you work through my trials for my good and the good of your kingdom. So I can trust you with this. So he thanks God for his church. He thanks God for his enemies. And finally, he thanks God for his hope, for his hope. At the end of chapter one, Paul does two things. First, he confidently believes that the prayers of the saints and the power of, his, of the Spirit will get him out of jail. Right? He says, look, I believe that because you guys are praying and because the Holy Spirit is with me and I'm, in, and I'm pursuing the mission of God, I think he's going to bust me out of here. Nothing's impossible for God. And the second thing he does, he says, but even if I don't get out, even if I die here, man, to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm good either way, but I think I'm going to live. So it's this bold confidence that God answers prayers, that God works here in space and time in this world, not just in floaty heavenly place up there abstractly where we can't notice he does anything, but here in real life. He goes, I think God can bust down these, these, these jail cells and get me out of here. But if he doesn't, I know my eternal hope. I know my eternal security. I know I'll be with him. I know I'll join him in the resurrection. I know God's got it. 
but I also know that God answers prayer. He is, he's, he's not balancing his hopes. You know, he's 100% in both. I'm 100% believing that God can free me, and I'm 100% believing that if he doesn't, I'm going to gain in my death. That's the kind of faith we need. We don't want to balance it. We want to be 100% in both directions, and we want to hold that in our hearts. But here's the key. Paul's joy in his circumstance, his hope that he's thanking God for, is shaped by his understanding of what God is after. God is not after our comfort but our holiness. He wants us to become selfless Christ-like people. So you can pray for peace all you want, but if by peace you mean no turbulence in your life, if by peace means that you can just have this secluded life where everything's fine for you, you don't have to be involved in other people's lives, you don't have to care about other people, that's not the peace God wants to give. In fact, that's the peace that God rebukes in the Old Testament, right? He, through his prophets, he tells Israel, you say peace, peace, and there is no peace. Right? The peace that you have is the peace of complacency. That's not the peace that I want for you. The peace I want for you to have is the peace of no longer being enslaved to self-absorption. The peace of dying to self and living to Christ. The peace of knowing that if you give up your life, that's when you find it. The peace of going, man, it's not about me anymore. I'm free. I'm free to serve other people. What's Paul say? He goes, I think God's going to bust me out of jail so I can keep serving the Lord, keep serving the churches. If, if I'm to continue in this life, there's more labor to be done. There's more purpose to fulfill for God's kingdom. We need to have that mentality. Through this COVID thing, if you want peace, do you want the kind of peace that says, I don't want any more trouble in my life? Or do you go, I want the kind of peace that goes, Lord, you're going to deliver us out of this as a church so that we can continue to serve with greater fervor, with greater passion, with greater faith when we come out of this. God doesn't want us to maintain the status quo if the status quo is complacency. And here's the question. Do you really want the peace that God gives? The peace of dying to yourself? The peace of living for Christ? The peace that allows you to sacrifice for the people? The peace that pulls you out of just worrying about your own little life? Because God will give that to us. Maybe the question is, do we really want it? You have not because you ask not. It's a challenging thing. Pray through that. Apply and deploy this gratitude in quarantine. Pray and thank God for your church. Thank God for your trials and your enemies. And thank God for the hope he gives. And ask God, mold my heart to be the kind of person that wants what you desire to give. I want this peace. Change me so that I can receive it. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Four Oaks College. Keep liking these Instagram TV uh, episodes and tell your friends about it. This is going to be a great series. Thank you for listening.